to uh to to segue Yee's talking about the Jews right now. <laughs> that's a that's a heck was of a segue there, boy. Was that smooth enough for you? I like it. Welcome to the Dixie Polis Podcast. My name's Travis. And this is Luke. We are Southern Men De-Reconstructing the South. So, so do we want to talk about any uh, any of the... I I don't want to get... I don't want this to be a current events podcast by any means, but um, I don't think that we should ignore the fact that a lot of baseness is going down right now. Whether or not it's good baseness, I have yet to find out. But there's a ton of stuff that looks very promising on the horizon. I think we'll be allowed to use gamer words on Twitter here shortly. Well, I don't know about the the here shortly. It's happening now, guys. (laughs) Ron Paul give it's happening. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the, definitely the Rap Paul, Rap Paul, Rap Paul. Um, you know, even yeah. though I'm not a libertarian anymore, I still love Rob Hall. Yeah, same for sure. So, do you, do you um, have any thoughts on what's happening over there in the in the Twitter verses? Um, I guess my thoughts in general would be, uh, I I love to see the tears. Um, and I. I, I know we're supposed to take like this high ground or whatever. Um, but I'm just glad to see tears from that side of the aisle. It makes me happy. And I don't think that <clears throat> I don't think that Elon is our guy. Uh, I like Elon in some ways, but we have to remember that he's a transhumanist. Uh, an actual transhumanist. So we just we, we just got to keep that in mind, and and that's not me, you know, being a purist or purity spiraling or any of that any of that nonsense. This is a uh, legitimate criticism of him. So I I would just I would just say that uh, I don't know that. I, I don't know that um, Twitter's going to get better. I just know that right now it's hurting a certain demographic, and I'm okay with that. And that, that makes me happy in the cockles of my heart. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Elon much like I would look at someone like Trump, right? Um, I, right. I never viewed Trump as our guy, but man, those liberal tears sure tasted good in my coffee. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, just, like I said, just enjoying the enjoying the days as they as they progress. Um, I, I think that Gab is being validated every day. And I, and I know you know, some guys are going to be like, well, you're never on Gab. 
you're just on Telegram. And yeah, that's true because I have just generally tried to stay away from social media in in the past year. Um, I've got a lot of personal stuff going on, which is why I have not been as consistent with the you know the podcast and posting and being on social media. Because honestly, my my family comes first, so all the stuff happening right now and all the stuff going on, even within the podcast, is kind of taking a second seat to that. So, um, it's it's been a hard year. I'll, I'll just say that it's been a very hard year for me. Um. Anyways, yeah, go ahead. What, whatever you were gonna say. Yeah, I mean, I just think that um. I don't know. It's it just it's just one of those times where everything's just kind of. It feels like everything's in a slump right now. If I if I'm being mm. completely honest, and it's and it's not just me, it's multiple people that I've talked to, uh, somewhat frequently. Uh, mm-hmm. Everyone's just kind of. I don't know. It's weird. I mean, maybe maybe it's still maybe it's long COVID. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, so so we're. Yeah, I'm gonna try to get back on the horse, but kind of hard when the horse keeps galloping along. <laughs> that 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 won't get home there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, it's a it's life is good, God is good, um, and we just, we just have to remember that. Um, and you know, a lot of these little these little things that are are uh <clears throat> a lot of these things that are happening are the real apocalypse um an apocalypse was never the distraction of the world apocalypse liter- literally means the unveiling and so what we're seeing right now is an unveiling of what's been actually going on and who is actually the problem. So I think we're going to see more of that. I think it's going to become more and more and more obvious who the, who the actual problem is. I mean, I don't know how much more obvious it can get. Well, of course, I mean, I'm, I'm saying this is, you know, that guy from, um, um, oh, that movie Rowdy Roddy, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper played in uh, They Live. You know, I'm mm-hmm. saying this as the guy with the glasses on right now, and I can see, you know, the the brain sucking aliens everywhere. Um, and I think, but but I think more and more people are starting to see. Like, you know, I'm not. So I'm not. I'm not the kind of guy that that blames the Jews for every ills and woes that happens upon, you know, the world. But dad gummit, there's a lot of bergs and stains behind a lot of a lot of problems <laughs> right now. But I mean, I, I have to take a realistic approach and like, okay, they're middlemen. They're always going to be middlemen. They're never going to be the quote unquote high rollers at any table. But um, and this is the day it, we get banned off Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> but, I'm, I'm, but 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 in my defense, I'm not quote unquote naming the juice. 
I, I'm over here saying that you know that they're not they're not the they're not the boogeyman we think they are. Um, I mean, they're lot you know a lot of them are evil sons of guns, but at the same time, like you know, we need to stop blaming every, blaming them for all the world's problems because they're not the reason world's in a shambles. You know, they're just facilitating the madness. You know, they're facilitators. I mean, we, we've just failed to do what God's expected of us. We've right. gotten comfortable. And um, I'm, I'm going to make some people angry with this probably, but a lot of this goes back to, uh, I, I, I know you go to the great generation, but I'm going to go to the boomers because I've seen some things. Uh, the boomers seem to be the most asleep at the wheel generation that I have ever heard of or seen. I, I've never seen a generation of people that intentionally ignorant about all of the trash that's happening right now. I, I just, I've never seen it. Okay, so um, I'm going to have to stop you real quick. I don't blame the greatest generation for a lot of the things. I do blame them for some. I blame the silent generation for most of it. But anyways, continue. Well, I mean, I, I, I blame, uh, I, I blame the boomers because the boomers had the option, uh, and the boomers decided that they wanted to create the most, um, the most complicated system to funnel wealth into their pockets, and strip every successive generation of their capacity to. Uh, exist. Like I don't even know. I don't even know how else to say it. Um, like they, they've 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 been the generation that has uh, fleeced mine, the Gen Xers, the Zoomers, Gen Alpha, and Gen Beta. Like all of those generations have been fleeced by the Boomers. And that's really, really hard for me to respect, frankly. Yeah, see, see I'm, I'm not, I don't know about all that. I mean, because um, most of the people that you're saying that's fleecing them were actually really silent generation guys. And they just forced the blame on the boomers because the boomers outnumbered the silent gens. You know, the silent gens were the ones protesting in the civil rights movement. They were the ones protesting, you know, the, um, the Vietnam War. We blame the boomers for that, but the boomers were... Well, hell, they were still in high school and middle school during the Vietnam War. Um, the the freaking silent generations are responsible for for not only Jim Jones' cult, but also freaking Marilyn, um, not Marilyn Manson, shoot Charles Manson, and probably Marilyn Manson. But <laughs> I, I would have to pull some pull together some strings for that one. Um, I mean, I the, it's it's. Uh, all of those cults were uh, exacerbated under the boomers, and no, then no, the, the, no, the rise the, of the rise of middle management happened with the boomers. That that did happen. Okay, so I will agree with you there, that, and that's because of Reagan. So so during the eighties is when the boomers really started getting any you know foothold into these institutions. 
but it was the silent gen that that started that ball rolling. The, it was the silent generation that was infiltrating all of the uh, all of the colleges. They were the hippy dippies people that you know were were spreading their communistic bull crap everywhere. Uh, I mean, think about it. Look look at all all of the bands that you know we attribute to the boomers. Well, they were all silent gen bands. Okay, they were all the ones that the CIA used. You know, let's get off into some crazy rabbit trails right now. They were the ones that the CIA used to freaking influence the boomers. It's okay. not a rabbit trail if it's directly relevant. <laughs> <laughs> but is it directly relevant though? Um, yeah, the CIA is always relevant when we're criticizing. The- so, so, so I I tend to take a little bit softer of an approach with the boomers, simply for the fact of. The boomers were the most psyop generation to ever exist. Period. Bar no. Ah, no, I'm not. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, 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 no. I can't. They were, I can't buy that the one. The boomers are more psyop than the millennials are. And yeah, that's I don't, because I don't know they, about were that. testing, they were testing out all of the stuff they used on millennials to see what actually worked. Think about it. MK Ultra started under the boomers. Okay, technically started under silent generation, but it was a really heavily affected in the boomers. Now, what I can say is, is that they have become much more streamlined and more efficient with their psyoping. Now, they can literally um, uh, socially engineer people from you know very minute details right now. So. Uh, but Basically, yeah, what he's saying is they've they've remote controlled that stuff. Like they can do it remotely now. Like that's the real big that's the real big divergence. Um, but I I would even say that uh, it it hasn't even been my generation that's been the greatest psyop. It's been the Gen Xers, uh, and that's that's why I'm not as hard on the Gen Xers because the Gen Xers really had a raw deal. They had parents that essentially abandoned them. And then after they get abandoned, they're asked why they're not good enough, you know, and they were simultaneously coddled while they were, like, insulted for existing. I, I don't know how else to put it. Like, they just, uh, uh, they were caught between the worst the worst of two worlds, uh, and their own parents gaslit them their entire life. Like, I, I don't even know how... <laughs> Like my parents had some problems, but I didn't get gaslit my whole life, right? My, my parents were actually, you know, pretty decent, and and most of the millennials that I know had pretty decent parents because the 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 Gen Xers were trying to fight against that that whole mentality of just you know psyoping your own kids. I mean, I mean, in in all reality, I mean, I think a lot of I think Gen Xers get a lot of flack, but. Gen Xers are freaking tough as crap. You yeah, know what I'm I mean, saying? The, the, the problem with Gen Xers is they're all black pilled. And and that's again, that's because they've been so psyoped, but they still are super black pilled. And that bothers me. But I, I will forgive them the black pill because if I was as psyoped as they were, then I would be black pilled too. Well, I mean, and, and to be fair, the uh Gen Xers aren't really gonna have any form of institutional power in their life. Um, they're, they're not, they're not going to have a Gen X or president. It's going to stri- skip uh, straight to millennial. Most likely. 
I don't know. Kamala could be president. Oh God! Wouldn't that don't be a glorious that. day. Don't wouldn't say that. Be that. a glorious day. Absolutely not. You wouldn't love it. No. You would. You wouldn't love that. 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 That rabbit show. No. 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 Kill me well, now. That's just because you're a racist. Yes. Based. <laughs> Based. I, I I could go down a diatribe about her, and I just don't feel like it. It's not worth it. But hey, we can post it on Twitter and not have a have a thing to worry about. <laughs> hey, listen, it's my political opinion, and under the under under the you know the First Amendment, my political opinion cannot be hindered by the government. So get wrecked. We're all kinds of sidestepping on this on this episode so, on this episode. Well, that that's the entire entire thoughts behind this episode. It's basically like a pipe cast. It's just we're not smoking a pipe, <laughs> and we're and we're uh, we're we're shit posting about, uh, you know that group of people. Well, well, speaking of that group of people, what do you think about what oh ye's doing? Oh ye. Oh, I thought we talked about West. Yee. Well, we, we mentioned him, but we didn't actually talk about him. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, okay. I heard he's um, going to have a Hitler album. Uh, I don't know who told you that. Um, it That would be hysterical if he did. I would buy it, and I don't even like rap. And I don't even like Hitler. <laughs> I, I was told, I was told that... Um, uh, Rap can be transcendent, and I do not believe it. Did you happen to listen to though uh, to Kanye's Christian album? No, I did not. Like I said, I don't, I I don't listen to rap. I heard I heard <sighs> clips, and uh, I am, I I just I don't I don't. It's against my religion. So, if I wasn't gonna get a co- copyright strike, I'd probably. You know, put my Chick Fil A as the closing song. <laughs> that, hey, that that song goes hard in the paint, cause like I, I it, you know, everybody can say what they want, but uh, I'm I'm actually not not kidding. I would buy the the Kanye album of Hitler just because it's funny. It's a good meme. Uh I would I would enjoy that meme. That's that's the entire reason why I would do it. No other reason. Unironically. I, I can see it. I can see it. Uh, but okay, so so what was your opinion? I don't think we actually discussed this. Um, if we did, uh, it, or if me and you did, I don't remember it. Uh, about whenever uh, Kanye became Christian, you remember that whole whole big shebang. We were both was, on Facebook at that time. Yeah, I was wary of it. Um, him talking like a black Hebrew Israelite's a little concerning. If I'm being completely honest. Um, although I'm not sure if him saying that black people are Jews was like just to prove the point. I can never kind of I, I can never tell if what he's doing is strictly rhetorical or not. So if it's rhetorical and I'm just stupid and don't get it, then whatever. I'm stupid and I don't get the joke. But um, we all know the you... British are the real Israelites. 
<laughs> uh, by, by the so, way, for the record, we reject both black Hebrew Israelites and Anglo Israelites. So, well, um, so there there is an interesting case, and I, I will say this <laughs> unironically: there is an interesting case, uh, both linguistically and symbolically, as in the symbols they use, the cultural symbols they use. Of the Celts being the lost tribe, I'm not well, saying it's true. I'm saying I'm it's a Jew. Case. I'm saying it's an interesting case. Uh, is that true? No idea. And I'm not going to put any kind of weight behind that. And I'm certainly not going to sit there and say it on you know national television as a fact because I don't know that to be a fact. Uh, it's just an interesting case to be made. That's so all so how how would they do that? Would they say that during the Babylonian exile, like, you know, the base tribe of, of Scots, you know, went off up into Scotland because the Babylonians carried them up there? Or how would they make that case? Or do you know? Um, all I know is the the argument about the the language and the symbols they use, certain symbols they use, like the hand. Um, there's a few others. I, I'd have to get back into it, but uh, symbols they use, cultural symbols they use, cultural slogans that they use um, that are expressed in the Irish and in the Scots um, both uh, seem as if it could have, it, they, they, it could match very well with the lost tribe of the the Hebrews. So is that the case? No idea. Like I said, not going to hang my hat on it. Certainly not going to go out there and promote the idea, but it's an interesting case nonetheless. So okay. um, it's, it's just one of those, I sit there, I think about it. I go, Hmm. Okay. What's next? I, that That's about as much. <laughs> effort as I put into it. Um, I'm, I'm actually much more interested in... Um, I read the uh, Oralinda book. And inside the Oralinda book, plus if you go and read uh, Snorri, whatever his name is, uh, who wrote the Eddas, he traces the lineage of the Nordic peoples back to Troy and Thor is act would actually have been one of the sons of the Trojan Kings that um, brought his people from Troy to the the Netherlands and that that whole area. So I have actually heard that one, you know, how, like, all the royals from Troy went up to, like, Ireland. Uh, well, in in this case, it would be more like, you know, Sweden and, like, the, basically all, all the Danish clans were Trojans. Right. I heard, I heard like, Ireland and England, that area. Um, I mean, it's it's essentially technically the same people group, but you know, um, to a, to a lesser extent. Um, but yeah, 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 no, no, no. I, I get what you're saying. 
Uh, that that interests me more, uh, just because of um, the implications of the the wider implications of history. Um, we already know that the the tribe of Judah was ruddy. The scriptures say that if they're Irish or if they're just ruddy. It doesn't matter to me. Because uh, Syrians were also ruddy, by the way. I don't know if everybody knows that or not. Um, the original Syrians were very ruddy. And uh, there's lineage, modern-day haplogroup tests that have placed the Syrian lineages going uh, from Syria itself down to, um, or I'm sorry, uh, over to Africa, um, which then crossed the Atlantic Ocean, went through the Florida Panhandle, down through Central into South America, and then over to the Philippine Islands. Uh, and they actually... They actually traced that lineage through that that whole track. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that means that there's a whole lot of lying when it comes to history. Whole lot of it, because everybody's saying that, you know. Uh, well, it's just it's just Europeans and Europeans were. You know, they came out of Africa, and it's like, no, not really. They came out of India, Indo-Europeans, guys. I would encourage everybody to go read, uh, go watch Asher Logo's videos on these topics, by the way. Yeah, I think the whole, like, the um, the genesis of man is, is actually very interesting. I mean, I don't think we can pinpoint an exact place on where man sprung up from the earth. And, and I use that term terminology very literally. We sprung up from the earth because, you know, God created us from dirt. Um, Lick ass. But, uh, it's the whole argument of, you know, am I going to believe this gay scientist over here that says I came from a monkey, or or am I going to take God at His word and say, no, I, I formed you. I formed you from dirt, homie. Don't worry about that. I formed you from dirt. Well, okay, cool. There's, there's just something interesting about that. But uh, they they all wanted to say that we came from Africa, and I'm like, bro, people from Africa aren't even from Africa. Like, <laughs> nothing good. Like, it, it's the whole thing. Nothing good comes from Nazareth, or no, excuse yeah. me, nothing good comes from Galilee. Nothing good comes from Africa. What are you talking about? You know, and, and I, I, I well, just there are a few good a, theologians that came from Africa, apart from Augustine. You know. He was from Ethiopia, though, so he's like Northern Africa. Um, you know he was that, still that black. was. Uh, doubt that. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I had I had to do it, guys. I had to do it. Y'all get mad at me all you want. None none of the icons that show that depicted Augustine from his time showed Augustine as a black person. It all showed. I mean, he might he might he pro he probably was not Northern European white. But he probably was not black Ethiopian like we see most Ethiopians today. 
Um, this isn't me, you know, quote unquote, whitewashing history. Of course, I know, I know most of quote unquote our guys aren't going to accuse me of that, but a lot of the the normier listeners that we might have might try to accuse me of that, and I don't care. Like, I, I just don't see how someone like Augustine, you know, was you know the the average Ethiopian, especially during his time period when when Rome essentially colonized that area. Right. Yeah. No, we're we're on the same page. I just had to make the joke because it was funny to mm-hmm. me. But I mean, re- regardless of what color Augustine is, you know, he was a brilliant, brilliant uh, theologian, that, and the church is greatly indebted to him. And um, he's probably sitting at the feet of of Christ right now, throwing his crowns down. Um, based, yeah, based in Christ pilled. That's um, right. But uh, but but the entire like the, the 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 more that I think about it, the entire Genesis narrative um dare dare i dare i say dare i take the lewis pill and say the genesis historical myth is far more interesting than most people want to give credit for like oh well well genesis isn't a history textbook i'm like well no shit sherlock pardon my french (laughs) no one's freaking over here arguing that it's supposed to be some type of textbook you know it's like it's not a science book yeah, it's not a science book. I and mean, when we're not reading it as that, that, I never understood that argument. Like, I'm not reading it as a freaking textbook right now. I'm reading it as what it is. It's a historical myth. You know, the same way I think Beowulf happened, I think Genesis happened even more real. You know, do, do you think Beowulf happened? Or are you? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I care that Beowulf happened. Uh,. It, it would be fun. Uh, I, I think that, you know, Thor and Odin were real. Um, I don't think that they were real in the sense of Thor having thunder powers in Odin. Uh, I, I think Thor and Odin existed in the way that Snorri Sturluson thought he existed. Um, I, I, I think that, that Snorri is a better... Um, a better source than any modern critical source on history is today. So, so my entire take on myth is that these myths that we see are are historical but not accurate. So, so take someone like Hercules for example. Um, was he the son of a god? No. But was he really, really strong? Yes. I mean, we, we have we have one of those in our own tradition. We have Samson. You know, are we you know, if we deny someone like Hercules, are we gonna deny, deny Samson existed? Just well, because of the that, feats uh, of unimaginable strength. I, I think that your you know, Zeus and Athena and you know Ares and all those, you know, gods and goddesses were actual entities. I think oh, that they I were wasn't spirits. Talking- I wasn't talking about like the the entities of like the gods. I mean, Hercules was was not a god. They just claimed that Zeus was his father, like he was some type of demigod type thing. I, I can't remember the exact terminology they used. Well, but um, yeah, but that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, I I I wouldn't be surprised if he was something like that. But it it's probably has more to do with um, 
you know, his his mother converting with demons. If if we'll uh, we'll we'll stick with that. If you if you get what I mean. But but no, like 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 seriously, I think a lot of these his these these mythos creep these mythos people actually did exist. Right. Yep. Now now I do not believe that they happened exactly the way the myth tells you that they existed, but I believe that they actually did exist. Like I don't think we should discount this entire section of history just because it's written in a poetic form. Like I don't think Homer was Homer was writing fiction. I think he was writing nonfiction from his biased point of view. And and guess what? That that's okay. Like I think, you know, the the only account uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. The only account of Troy ever existing was from Homer's accounts, right? Well, yeah. But, I mean, it's 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 you know, they they thought differently than we do today, right? We we're we're saying that oh well that never happened because you know Achilles never uh you know fought the river god outside of you know the, the city of Troy um cuz that's just stupid cuz the river god didn't exist well i mean number 1 there could have been a demon that masqueraded as the river god so there's that uh but you know number 2 i i i think achilles did actually exist i think achilles was a real historical figure and I think that they were trying to recount history as it mattered to them. And so the specific historical events that happened were less important than the lessons to be taken from the men who lived them out. What lessons of character should we get from these men? That was the more important lesson. Um, and so I'll... I'll just I'll hang my hat on that. I don't need anything more. Uh, yeah, I think that stuff existed. Are, is it a hundred percent action to action accurate? No, because they didn't intend to write it that way. And you shouldn't try to read. You shouldn't try to read the 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 histories that way because they weren't they weren't intended to be that way. Um. Uh, and if you are, I think you're kind of missing the point. And I, I think we're actually in the wrong for not writing history the way that the ancients wrote history. I don't think we're better off because we write, you know, action to action, uh, historically accurate accounts. I think we lose a lot when we do that. And, and it's so bad that I don't even think we realize what we're losing. I think we just we're we're losing without without even knowing it. Yeah, I think I think I get what you're. Uh, I think I'm picking up what you're laying down. Um, so so uh, w one of the things is is that history has become so autistic that it's lost all magic. Uh, it, that, yeah. That's one of the reasons I prefer to listen to like autobiographies, not autobiographies, but biographies and autobiographies is because it tells more of a narrative. You know, yeah. rather than um, a didactic uh, piece of literature of what happened, like you know, I don't, I don't really care what happened in the seventy six 
uh, session of Congress, like, tell me the story. I mean, when we're looking at history, I mean, let, let's break the word down for a second. It's his story. Okay. Yeah. Well, whose story, are, you know, obviously when I'm saying, you know, whose, whose story are we looking at? We're looking at God's story. That that's that's one of the interesting things that that they kind of flipped the script on my entire way of looking at at the world in general, and and it happened because I became post millennial. It, it's that whenever I'm looking at you know something like church history, I'm looking at it as a continuation of the Old Testament, right? Obviously, there's a break between the Old and New Testament, and obviously, the the, the church history that we look at is not, you know, when, when we're hearing someone tell the stories of church history, it's not God-inspired. I mean, but at the same time, we're, we're, when, we, when we study something like church history, we're, we're seeing the progress of God redeeming a people throughout actual time and space. Right. And, and yep. that history should be viewed in this way, like, I'm not typically one to say that you should view something in only this way, but if you're going to view something, but if I'm going to tell you to view something in only this way, this is going to be it. It's, it's when you look at history, look at how God is redeeming a people throughout time. So that's the reason I can look at the, at the Roman empire, you know, in the, in the first and second century and say, okay, look at, look at what's happening. And look at how God is moving his hand of, of, of providence over this to actually influence these things, you know? Well, and, you know, I think this goes back to, uh, I'll, loop, uh, I'll loop John 1 back into this whole conversation because I think it's relevant. Um, you know, God has... God has established things such that God the Son is the Logos. Uh, he is both that which created the world and that which makes the world intelligible. And so when we go back to Genesis 1, what is the story starting from Genesis 1? Well, the story from Genesis 1 is that God created the world and put man in the world for one reason, and that's to image him. And that imaging that he is supposed to do is by being a gardener. He's supposed to go out, and he's supposed to act like a gardener. He's supposed to act like a keeper and a tiller of the land. And so when he does, uh, he's doing right when he's, when he doesn't do that, which inevitably what he ends up doing is he allows uh, Eve to sin uh, sets right there. You know, the scriptures say that Adam was with Eve when she sinned. He sat right there and watched her eat of the fruit, and he did not rescue his own wife from Satan, from the accuser, from the serpent. What, what does that say 
about Adam and his desires, right? But more than that, keep going, keep reading. Genesis 3, Genesis 4 and 5. God's building two separate families. We talked about this in, in the, the fatherhood episode. Um, there's two separate families. There's the family of Cain, and there's the family of Seth. And the family of Cain bred all kinds of violent and vile uh, uh, men who hated God, just like their father Cain. Because Cain just didn't want to honor God. He loved himself more than he loved God and went out of his way to refuse any kind of obedience that is due to God uh, simply because he wanted to do something different. That's it. He had no other reason. Um, and so we start with that story. You have one family that comes from Adam that wants to be in the image of the sun. And you have another family that wants to be in opposition to the image of the sun. And so one side is human, pro-human. One side is anti-human. One side is pro-Christ. The other side is anti-Christ. Uh, that's been that way f since the beginning. And, and we don't even think about that story that the scriptures are telling us when when that sets the that's that story sets the narrative for the whole rest of scripture right there um so I I kind of got lost in my thought I don't remember how to tie that back into what we were talking about earlier uh um, I, I was trying to tie that into the the whole it it being his story, God's Christ's story. Um, that's what I was trying to tie it into. So, anyways, I got I got lost in my own narrative. If you want to get down to brass tacks right now, let's look at the two. You know, the so you mentioned the Antichrist versus Christ. All yeah. right, one is life and one is death. My my pastor just preached on this. And it says, "Hereby ye know, hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ is come in the flesh of God, and every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard, it should come, even now already in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome the overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than that is in the world." They are of the world, therefore they speak of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, and he that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So the world, what is the world talking about? Okay, uh, my, my pastor brought this uh, to Genesis 4 or 5, where, where it, it constantly was talking about death you know like and and then he died and then he died that that is the spirit of the world the spirit of the world literally is death because the spirit of the world only knows death but we are of god and right. therefore we know life okay and, and i don't i don't think that's 
I don't think that's that's something small. You know, death is an unnatural state for a human. No, I say that as as you know, we're living in, you know, um, for 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 as far as we know, six thousand years of death. You know, I, I know me and you differ on the age of the world, but we can at least agree on on when Adam did die, and that was roughly about six thousand years ago. Um, so so we're living at six thousand years of death, and so I kind of agree with you on the on the age of the earth is about 20,000 years but that so that puts us in the minority of the age of the earth of us dying right but then when Christ comes now we have actually have life we actually have life in order to live forever in the natural state of things um Christ uh right after oh what's his name died was it Lazarus Yes, it was Lazarus. When, when, whenever I think it was John, you know, he says that you know he wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. Why did yep. Christ weep when he knew he was going to raise him back to the dead, back from the dead? Unbelief. It's because, well, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it was unbelief. I think it was because he saw the state that the world that he created was in, mm. and he was saddened by that because he knew that the natural state of man was not to die. Man, okay, so um, several years back, I was listening to someone. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but essentially they, they were saying that, that there is no reason that a human cannot live forever because the way our cells regenerate, it should not be that we die. It should be that we, we should technically live forever, but it's just an absolute phenomenon that we get to a certain age and we eventually die. And, and I don't think that's, I don't think that's by happenstance. I, I think that's purposeful, right? Because we are a regenerating species. Like we, we can heal ourselves to a certain extent. So, yeah. so I don't, we were, you know, I, I say, I don't think, but scripture testifies of the fact that we originally were not supposed to die. You know, right? We, we, we were, were supposed, supposed to be to... immortal, and, and in another, in one sense, we are still immortal because we have immortal souls. But at the at the same time, you know, we 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 die because of sin, right? Right. Which is what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm getting at a little bit more than that because when, when we're talking about history, we're we're talking about God's redemptive plan, so that we no longer have to die. What we're dreaming for the end of "quote unquote" history, because all things come into a culmination in the, um, in, in, you know, in the second advent of Christ. Right. Kind of, kind of want to set a uh, set a frame of reference here of why we actually nerd out on this stuff. I know we talked about it a little bit before, but why would we nerd out on this stuff on a Southern podcast? I think that's because we. Um, I think I think the reason that we we specifically choose to nerd out on this is one because we're theological nerds, right? But but also because I think that it's I think that this is what it takes to get the South back to where she was. I mean, think about it. Would these conversations be happening with in Dabney's time? I think so. Yes. Because, you know, Dabney was a, a Theo bro like we are, right? 
Yeah, I, and and this is this is kind of where we're we're headed with this topic, right? Because you know the the problem is that we've lost sight of a lot of this stuff. We've lost sight of um, you know the South used to be an intellectual powerhouse, not just a um, uh, not just an economic powerhouse. It didn't just used to have it, it, it. There weren't just you know oh well that's a cool thing, right? It wasn't just a cool thing that the South had. It wasn't just the families. It wasn't just the the community. It wasn't just uh, the land. You know, even on our environmental podcasts, we we stressed the idea that all of this stuff was done for our people, but unto God. And so we have to, in 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 this setting, we have to give all honor and glory and worship to God because all things are supposed to be done unto God. And so going back to theology helps ground us in who God is and what our relationship to God is and how we should understand uh, our actions in the world in relation to our relation to God, right? So us being image bearers is important to how we should view the land because the image bearer is supposed to bring life to the land, it's, he, he's not supposed to just exist. He's not supposed to just, you know, have a good relationship with the land. He's supposed to dwell in the land and benefit the land by taking dominion over the land. That's the whole goal. Uh, and, and that dominion is a specific kind of dominion that God's already spelled out. And doing it that way is honoring to God which is the whole point of doing anything. So this is it's kind of this in in a sense it's a little circular but in another sense it's it's uh, uh understanding each part of this puzzle helps you put the puzzle together and then enact the puzzle and and view everything from not only the very granular uh experiential side of things where you understand the the, the details or you understand the practical knowledge on how to do something um, it's also that you understand the 50,000 and the 70,000 and the 100,000 foot view of the stuff. Uh, and if you don't get that, you miss part of the picture. You need that part of the picture because it helps you understand who God is. Um, I'm, I'm often reminded of the passage where God tells us to lean not on our own understanding but to just trust in him. And I always, that always puzzled me, right? Because, oh man, we're supposed to understand things. We're supposed to understand things, right? And I, I kind of think of, of that passage as God telling us, look, dude, you don't have this whole thing figured out and you're going to get some things at some point. But right now you're ignorant. You don't know what you're doing. Just follow my instructions and you'll get it. Like it's not a don't think about it kind of thing. It's a you don't get it yet, and I want you to get it, but you only get it by doing it kind of a deal. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, no, no, it, it does. I mean, it's it's one of those um, where obedience eventually leads to uh, understanding. Yeah. Like, I, okay, so I don't understand why I'm supposed to pray, but, you know, I guess I'll do it right now until, you know, until I do understand it, and then eventually you will understand it. And it, it, it's, it gets them into, uh, there are layers to this thing, right? So, um, you know, so I'm I'm probably going to step on a little toes with this as well. I don't Where's think <laughs> I, I don't think that the law of God, the, the commands of God, are the primary goal of our obedience. I I don't think that the laws of God are true. Because God said they're true. I think the law of God is true because it is an exposition of the nature of God. And so it is that mode of being, that being one with God, as, as Christ said in John 17, and, and, and Paul elaborates on in Romans, uh, Romans 8, that we were, we were called to be conformed to the image of the Son. It is that being one with God, that, that knowledge of God that's the goal. And if you have that knowledge of God, if you are one with God in this way, then you're going to act like God, you're going to think like God, in as much as our limited capacity as creatures is able to do. Um, but it's going to be the kind of image-bearing that your son has of you. Where when people look at my son and they say, oh man, that's Lucas, right? That That's the kind of image bearing that we will have of God. Where they're going to look at, uh, you know, Joe Blow over here. And they're going to say, man, Joe, Bo, Joe Blow just looks like God, right? He just, he acts like God. Um, that's that's our goal. That our, our, our actions and our way of being and operating in the world are so like God that the specific commands of God set, set out in Scripture are not even a thing to think about because they're unnecessary. You won't need the law because you'll have a grasp on that mode of being. That's what I think the point is. That's uh, The whole point of all the laws given in Scripture is to get us to the point where we so love God and we wish to image God to such a degree that we won't even need the law of God. That's why this, I don't think the scriptures are going to be that big of a deal in heaven. Because it's like I've got the fullness of God sitting right in front of me. And I can, have it, I can inhabit that sinless perfection in heaven because I don't have the sinful body and I don't have the flesh and I don't have the devil sitting there hounding me to sin all the time. And I could be free of all of that. And I could just bask in the goodness of God and work as unto God without the barrier of sin. And so we're aiming for that perfection here on earth, although we'll never really achieve it here. Because we are contending with the world, the flesh, and the devil. But that's the goal. And so when we get hung up on... Uh, and, and this is and this is where I think there's the legitimate. We're we're going to go back to the beginning of this whole conversation. 
this is where I think there is a legitimate criticism of the whole, well, that's just nerd stuff kind of a deal. When we get so hung up on the specific applications of this law to such a degree that we purity spiral, we're missing the whole point of the law. Because not every law has equal weight. Not every law has equal application. Uh, even in certain circumstances, it doesn't even have the same application. Um, and no law can be taken, and no law, in, no law in Scripture can be taken to an ultimate extent, except for perhaps the, the Ten Commandments, let's say. Because there's always some kind of exception, there's always some kind of caveat, there's always some kind of context. Uh, even even when God told them, point blank, go into the land of Canaan and kill everybody, kill everything. And then he turned around and there's a whole list of exceptions to that rule. Like Rahab and her family is an exception to the rule. Right? So it, it's... There, there's there's always these little caveats to these rules. They're never taken to the nth degree. They're never taken to 100% objectivity because the only real objective thing is that being that we're supposed to inhabit, that mode of being that is that is the, the, the purest expression of God through our specific uh, uh, our specific selves. We are each iterations of this image of God. Kind of a long way, and I know I kind of rambled there a little bit, but uh, hopefully it's a little. Hopefully that's clear. Hey, y'all! Thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it, and check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to dixiepolis at protonmail.com or send us a message on Gab. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised. And you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at southernraisedbluegrass.com. God bless y'all. I know dark clouds will gather around me. I know my way is rough and steep, but beauteous fear. Just